Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. But good morning. Hey, here we are. 2024, 23 is done. It's finished. We've crossed the threshold. Don't look back. You'll turn into a pillar of salt. Just keep looking forward. We're in a new year. And what I love about New Year's is that it's a time where there's just so much possibility, right? There's so much potential. Nothing's happened yet. We're about to start the journey. And so there's this possibility. And it's almost like a new year brings with it a blank canvas. And you've got the paintbrushes and you've got the paint. And the question now is, what are you going to paint? What is the artwork that you're going to create this year? What are the decisions and what are the choices you're going to make to set yourself up to have the best year possible? Or are you just going to let life happen again? I don't know about you, but I'm done with kind of rolling into every year. And it's you get to the end of the year and it was like the last year. And then we roll into the next year and life just keeps happening to you. But I want to bring a word this morning to try and encourage us that why don't we begin to get intentional about setting up a life that can actually happen for you and happen through you than just letting life happen to you. Amen. And just to quote one of the great leadership experts, John C. Maxwell, he says this, Life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you. Amen. Life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you. And so this morning I want to bring you a message simply titled, Jump Out. Jump Out. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a scripture that a lot of us know well. It says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So I just want to set you up right this year and align you to what God thinks about you. God says that I know the thoughts I think towards you. I know you. I know everything about you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. That God wants to give you a future. And it's a good future. That you can live 24 with a hope on inside of you that God wants good things for you. He's not an evil God. He's not an angry God. He's not a God that's disappointed in you that wants to make life hard for you this year. He goes, no, no, no. If you will follow me and stay close to me, then I will give you a future. I'll give you a hope. Because the truth is this, we serve a God that does not change. Right? The Bible tells us, Hebrew 38, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we've got to grasp this morning is this, that God is not subject to the things we're subject to. God is not subject to poor performance. He doesn't experience failure. He doesn't need second chances. He's not governed by circumstances or affected by deadlines or workloads or disappointment. He is a God that is all-powerful, all-gracious, all-loving, all-miraculous, all-knowing, all the time. Amen. That is the God that you and I serve as we step into a new year. Amen. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so as we gather together the first Sunday of a new year, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage all of us, be confident 
that what God has started, he will finish. The plans that God has for you, he has the ability to bring, bring them to completion. He's not going to bail out on you halfway through and go, man, this is just too hard. I know I said I would, but now it's probably not. No, no, no. The work God wants to do in and through you, he will bring to completion. He's a faithful God. What he's spoken to us corporately, 2020, 21, 22, 23, and now 24, I believe he'll deliver on. Amen. God is a God who's good on his word. Amen. And I sense just like the armies of Israel who God commanded to march around those walls of Jericho seven times, sometimes we come into New Year's having marched around the same thing again and again. And maybe we do carry struggles and we carry mountains and we carry challenges into a new year that it feels like, man, is this thing ever going to shift in my world? Is this ever going to break? Is things, are things ever going to be different or change for me? Or am I always going to find myself walking around the same things? And so sometimes we start life strong and full of faith and it's a new year and we set our goals and we do all the things we should do. But life happens and we get weary and we get tired and we feel sometimes even conquered. But again this morning, I want to speak through that as we start a new year to say this, that God is for you. That God is actually on your side. That He takes your side when we step into a new year. And if God is for you, what does Scripture say? Who can be against you? Amen. And so I sense that. What we've got to do is not get overwhelmed by the big picture of where is it I need to be at the end of this year. But I want to tell you, C3 Church Noosa, that maybe it's about just keep walking. One foot in front of the other in 24. One prayer in front of the other. One decision of faith in front of the other. Amen. Because God's will and His purpose is supreme. What God has spoken will come to pass. The cool thing is the devil can't stop it, right? He, he can't change it. He can't deny it. And this year, honestly, I see God putting a bit of, as, as Anne said, a shout of triumph in the mouths of our congregation, in the mouths of C3 News' people, as you declare the name of Jesus, that is above every other name, as you simply lay hold of Him, stay true to Him, lift up your voice in worship, that for some of you, this year is the year that it's the seventh round Seventh time you're walking around Jericho and what happens? Walls begin to come down. Walls begin to come down. So I want to encourage you, don't give up, church. Don't give up in your walk. Don't give up in your prayer life. Don't give up and keep pressing in because you don't know the moment God is going to release something to you because you've been faithful. Amen. If God is for you, who can be against you? Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be. That goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So this morning, I want to share a little bit around the life of the Apostle Peter and the journey that he has with Jesus, because his life can be an example to us. We know that it was a life that was lived in very intimate connection with Jesus. And when we look at his life, we can be encouraged... That God is a God, A, of second chances. That God is a God who cares more about you than your success or your failures. I want you to hear that this morning. He actually cares about you, that He loves you, and He'll not let His promises depart from you. 
And regardless of what you may be anticipating and regardless of what you may be expecting, God, according to his word, wants you to actually succeed this year. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to live blessed. He wants you to walk closely with him in that peace that he, only he can give. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to come with me. Matthew 4.18. And it says, this is Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and they followed him. Peter leaves everything that he knew behind him in a moment and he follows Jesus. And over the next three years, he lives a life in a very privileged, intimate circle with Jesus. He experiences firsthand Jesus' power. He experiences firsthand Jesus' authority, Jesus' teaching. And he learns in his life over three years how to model and follow after this teacher and this rabbi that at the time was really turning culture upside down, speaking things that people have never heard before. But what I want you to note here is that Jesus at this time was never a man without a plan, right? The minute that he, he receives the Holy Spirit and he comes out of the desert, he didn't just kind of go, well, we'll just see what happens now. I guess I'm ready for ministry. I'm going to just hang out on the corner in the city, hopefully bump into an opportunity that needs a miracle or needs my power. No, no, no. He was very intentional about following and listening to the leading and guiding of his father. And why do I say that? Because when Jesus comes across these two men in Galilee fishing, I always find this so phenomenal. He walks up to these guys and says, stop doing what you're doing and follow me. And they just drop everything and follow him. Someone came into your workplace and said, stop doing that, just follow me. Who would do it? You'd probably go, are you crazy? Get out before I call the police, right? And I always thought, what was it about that encounter that made these men who were fishermen, had families, worked all their lives, see this person they've never met before, all of a sudden say, stop what you're doing. I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men. Follow me. And they follow. I believe this, that from baptism to crucifixion, Jesus was led by the Spirit. And so when Jesus comes across Peter, he's not just looking at a man. He's seeing through his father's eyes that this will be the man upon who the church will be built. This will be the man that will carry the revelation of who Jesus is. So Jesus sees that. And so he speaks from that place. And I believe that when Peter hears the voice of Christ, he's not just hearing a voice, but he's feeling the spirit and impartation of God in that moment to go, something's happening here. I've got to follow this man. Something's stirring inside of me. There's a call on my life that this man's just spoken to. I didn't even know it was there, but he's just brought it up in a minute. I'm leaving my nets and I've got to follow him. And I say that because you are not here by accident, by some chance, sitting in the house of God this morning. It's not fate that you're a part of the C3 Nusa family. It's not by chance that you find yourself here because God has a purpose and a plan for you in 2024. A life that would be influential. God actually wants to use the life that you live to work in you and work through you so that you can influence the life of someone else. Amen. And I love what Paul says that I didn't choose God, God chose me. And here's the thing, we get so smart in our humanity to think how well we're doing and where we are. But I want to tell you, no, no, God has chosen you. God has called you. And because he's called you, here you are. Because he's called you, he says, would you drop everything you are and simply follow me that I can lead you this year. Amen. 
God's will and His purpose is supreme. And so at the very pinnacle of Jesus' ministry, having Peter by his side, Jesus begins to affirm this to Peter. He wants to speak into Peter's life at a greater level. And so in Matthew 16, 30, he says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, Guys, who do men say that I am? What's the talk of the town? What's the gospel? Who am I? What are people saying? And so they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he said to them this, but who do you say that I am? I'm interested in what you think of me. What is your take? What is your revelation? You see, it doesn't matter what your neighbor thinks. It doesn't matter what your parents have told you, what culture shouts, how society tries to label you. Jesus wants to know who do you think he is? Jesus wants to know that what's important in life is how you represent him, how you, how you carry revelation of your relationship with him. What Jesus wants to know, will the most important thing be your relationship with him that you can live a life that reflects the work that Christ has done for you this year? Amen. Who do you say that I am? Am I a God that you meet on Sunday and then Monday to Friday it's game on and everything else? Am I a person that you just need to follow because it's the right thing to do and I've got to be seen to doing the Christian thing and it's just what I do? Or am I the person that has come into your world, that died for you, that rose again, that loves you, that's given you a future, that's given you a hope, will you carry that same revelation of saving grace into 2024 and begin to be a light for others that need what you've got? Who is it that you say He is? Who is Jesus to you? Amen. You know, I really believe that no matter what we go through in the circumstances that we have in life we can always live a life of gratitude and sometimes it's very hard for for us to come into a new year especially when we're going through things and we're going around mountains to go what possibly could it be that I can be grateful for because I'm tired and I'm weary and I'm discouraged and maybe it's another year and I'm a bit anxious about what it looks like. But if you can wake up practicing gratitude in your life, it will shift your life. I promise you that. What is it that I can be grateful for? You can be grateful for this, that you have been saved, that you have been set free, that you didn't deserve it, but God did it anyway, that you were dying. You had a future that was hopeless and God said, I can't accept this. I'm stepping in to give you the free gift of eternal life because I love you so you have been saved by grace if nothing else be grateful for that if nothing else understand that you have been given the free gift of eternal life not because you deserved it but because he loves you I don't know about you but I can wake up every day and be grateful for at least that amen gratitude will reposition you in in life and so Peter responds to Jesus' question, and he says, well, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus answers and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What a moment that would have been for Peter. Following this teacher for three years, 
he gets to this point and now all of a sudden Jesus is affirming him as the guy the dude upon which the church is going to be built because he's received a revelation of who this person is you are the son of God Jesus says that's the revelation upon which my church is going to be built I'm going to give you the keys of life and what you bind on earth will be bound and what you bind in heaven will be bound and I think Jesus probably would have left that encounter feeling a little bit taller. Peter would have left that encounter feeling a little bit taller. A bit encouraged, right? A bit, a bit blessed. Like life is looking up. Like, man, I knew there was a reason that I followed this teacher. It's game on. I'm the man. I'm the one Jesus chose. I'm faithful. I'm going to make this happen. You need the church franchise? I'm going to do it. I'm going to start. It's going to be good. Has anyone ever felt like that in life where you go through seasons and the world just seems like your oyster. Or there's seasons where doors just open and things work. Right? Everything's going right. Everything's happening. You know, I got promoted. I've got more money. My friend got saved. My girlfriend's hot. I'm getting married. Whatever it is, I got money in the bank. Life just works. There's seasons where life just works. But let me stop you for a minute and just remind you that where we find this context of Scripture is at the end of Jesus' ministry. So what Jesus is actually starting to say is, guys, the time is coming when I'm actually leaving. I'm not going to be here with you anymore. I'm going. And the disciples didn't quite catch that revelation yet. And so they were constantly challenging him on this and trying to figure it out. And a bit anxious actually as to all of a sudden this, this miracle working guy is going. And what's going to happen? And then Jesus does something that's crazy. He speaks to the same man that he's just built up and encouraged and said, Mate, you're the guy. And he says, Peter, I want you to understand this, that before I go, you are going to desert me. You're going to deny ever knowing me. You're going to leave me. You're going to run. You're going to turn the other way. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? How could you say that? Probably pretty cut, I would have thought. Jeez, there's no ways. I followed you faithfully for three years. I've been your right-hand man. You've just told me upon this rock you'll build your church. And now you're telling me... I'm out. I'm going to deny you? Never. I'll never do that. Never. Sorry, you got that wrong. And as Jesus put under trial, we read this in Mark 14, 66. It says, Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said, said to Peter again, surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear. We're falling from grace pretty quickly. Peter's like, I'm going to drop a few bombs here. So you know, this is not who you think I am. I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows Christ, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Another version tells us that when Peter realized what he had done, he ran from that place into solitude and he wept bitterly, uncontrollably. I see this as such a picture of a man whose heart is broken, having been so faithful to the one that he loved, having been called to stand as a rock upon which Christ would build a church, now running like a coward into solitude, denying ever knowing him. 
in a few days, he's gone from being on top of the world to the bottom. What a fall from grace. And I would imagine he would have in that moment felt such a weight of guilt and betrayal and disappointment and shame. So confused as to what's going on. When only days earlier he had looked into the face of his teacher as Jesus affirmed him as the disciple upon which he'd built the church. I mean, was Jesus wrong? Had he missed the mark? Had he got it wrong with Peter? And sometimes we go through life being so sure of what God has spoken to us. Experiencing His goodness, experiencing His grace, experiencing His blessing, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that He's given us a word in season and time and we're holding on to it and we're standing on it. And the next season of our life, it's like it never happened. Like all of a sudden the promises of God are just falling through the floor. Now it's one struggle after the next. Now it's one mountain we've got to walk around over the next. That I find my place struggling or I'm broken or things are falling apart around me. And we come in a new year going, God, well, what was that all about? I thought I could trust you. I thought I could stand on your word. I thought you were, I was so sure in what you were telling me. And now here I am. But I want to tell you this morning that regardless of what it is that you may have experienced, regardless of what it is that you carry into a new year, you serve a God, as I said, that does not change and His promises remain. Circumstances may change, but the promises of God will remain true. And if He's spoken a word to you, then I can tell you the word is good enough that you can stand on it and lay hold of it and speak it and claim it until it comes to pass. Because what God has started in, in your life, He will bring to completion circumstances will happen life happens that's just the way it is it's the way the cookie crumbles but it's in those moments God wants you to draw near amen God is preparing into it and I honestly believe this God is preparing to do a new thing in your life in the life of this church amen you see who knows there's more to this story than just a conviction and a crucifixion and the death of Jesus because we serve a living God he didn't stay dead, but he rose back to life through resurrection power. Jesus is now our savior. He broke the chains of sin and death. He rose again. And because of that, you and I now have a hope and a future. You see, the story wasn't over for Peter in his denial. The story wasn't over for Peter in his failure, in his disappointment. God was preparing to do a new thing in Peter's life. Amen. Peter's life and identity and his worth is no longer defined by his mistakes. In a moment that Jesus walks out of the tomb, he paid a ransom for Peter's life. He rose back and, and I, would, I think he would have carried those keys of life and said, where's this man? Where's this man that I called out of a boat three years ago? It's time for a new beginning. It's time for Peter to start again. I've taken to the cross his sin. I've taken to the cross his shame. I've taken to the cross his failure. But I've died and I've risen again. It's been forgiven. He's been redeemed and now I want to give him those keys that I spoke to and my word will be completed in his life just because of a failure just because of a slip up just because of a disappointment doesn't negate the purpose and the power of God's word in your life you can lay hold of it and know that it will come to pass amen John 21 1 says after these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. So Jesus has 
risen back to life. He's come out of the tomb and he's on his way to see the disciples. Those that were closest to him, he wants to show himself to them, that he's alive. And so just to, prelude, to, to premise this, Peter comes out of solitude. He's done what he's done. He's standing on the shores of the sea. And he simply says this, boys, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I think that probably has to be one of the biggest letdown statements in the Bible. Here's this guy, three years, of seeing supernatural, being called the, right, the guy, Jesus man. Then it all went wrong really quickly. Jesus is dead. He doesn't know he's risen. So maybe that was all wrong. He's denied him, run away from him left his friend, his teacher, to die. And it all comes down to this. Well, I'm going fishing. Better get back to what it is I've always done, what I've always known. It's like that feeling when you go on holiday, and it's an amazing holiday, and it's Europe, or it's somewhere incredible, and then you get back, and then it's one more weekend, and then it's Monday. And who gets that feeling on the Monday? Who gets it on the Sunday night? Oh. Oh, here we go. I reckon that was Peter times 100, right? What was this all for? Better go back to what it is that I've always done. Goes on to say that they said to him, well, the other disciples said, well, you know what? You're going to do that. We're going with you. We don't know what else to do. And they went out, immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. So there it is. But a salt in the wound Better go back to what it is that I've always done. And by the way, I caught nothing. So how low can you go, right? Life is just one insult after the other right now. For poor Peter, he can't catch fish. He's forsaken his teacher. Life's not going very well. We've fished all night. We've caught nothing but. Everybody say but. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. He had found them. He was waiting for them. For some of you right now, I sense as I was preparing this message that God was saying, you can identify with Peter. Maybe you had a wild ride. Maybe life was going well and you've come to a point where it's like, oh, I just don't know anymore. I just got nothing left in me. I was so sure of X, Y, and Z and the blessing and the purpose and direction of God was calling me here. But I've been through this challenge and this struggle and this disappointment and I've fallen over and I've fallen short. And now I'm carrying things I shouldn't be carrying in my life. And I guess I'm just going to go back to doing what it is that I've always done. And this year is going to be another year around the same mountain. But I'm telling you, that's not why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross so you and I could access resurrection life. That things don't have to be the same. That you don't have to go through the same mountains. Jesus wants to turn up and stand on the shore and say, if you will look at me and come back to me, things can be different. Things will be different. Jesus wants to seek you out this year if you will make a decision to seek him out. Amen. In the morning he had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. For some of you, the night season has been a very long season. For some of you, you feel like there's been no hope for a long time. And it's going to be the same. But when morning came, when morning came, you see, the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him and said, we don't. 
And so he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When Jesus turns up in your life, he wants to help you to get things on the right side of life. And sometimes we can struggle so hard in life doing the same thing. But when Jesus comes in and he speaks a word and you do it again, miracles happen. When Jesus comes into your life and speaks a word, you may have gone around Jericho six times. Nothing's happened. But at one word from God, one more trip round, one more prayer, one more getting up, one more pressing in, one more opening the Bible. And the thing you've always done can change in a minute. You don't know the miracle you might be sitting on right now as you step into 24. You don't know the answers to prayer that can come in a moment as you just keep pressing in with God. You're going to reach down and lay hold of miracles in 24 because you're choosing to do it one more time. Jesus is standing on the shore. It doesn't matter if you've worked all night, faced the same mountain. When Jesus stands on the shore of your life and says, son or daughter, would you listen to my word? Would you follow me? You're going to get through. Amen. That's his promise to you. And so they cast down their nets and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Another crazy moment in the Bible. What is this dude doing? Oh, it's Jesus. He's alive. Gets dressed. See you, boys. And off he goes. The shore's over there, Peter. We'll row back quickly, and you can see Jesus. I can't wait. He puts on his robes and he jumps into the sea and he starts swimming with all his might. And I love this because this is a man whose heart was broken for his Savior, who thought all hope had been lost. Jesus is dead. I've denied him. I've got to go back to fishing. All of a sudden, he recognizes Jesus on the shore and he's like, you know what? My heart left. There's hope. There's hope. Jesus is back. And so he was desperate to get back to Jesus. He didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care what sight that made. He didn't, I don't even think he cared about the miracle that just happened. What was important to him was Jesus. And he said, man, I've got to do everything I can to get back to him as quickly as I can. And so he puts on his garment and he jumps into the sea and he swims with everything that he can to get back to the shore. This is a picture, friend, of the church and the people that Jesus is looking for. People that are passionate and desperate enough for him to say, I don't care what it looks like this year in my life, but I'm going to put on the robes that Jesus brought for me when he went to the cross. He died and he rose again. Those robes of righteousness, those robes of redemption, those robes of forgiveness, and I'm jumping out of what it is that I know, what it is that's comfortable, what it is that I'm always doing. Maybe this year I've got to jump out of the same thinking that's not great. I've got to jump out of old attitudes. I've got to jump out of apathy. I've got to jump out of just taking things for granted. And I've actually got to go, you know what? This is a year that I've got to jump out and I'm going to swim with everything I have back to shore that I can be with Jesus. Amen. That I can lay hold of Jesus. That I can get out of what it is that I find comfortable and go, I don't necessarily know what's on the other side. But I know that if I follow Jesus, if I get back to shore, if I lay hold of him, things are going to be okay. Amen. It's time, church, this year that we jump out of what it is that we know and we start swimming back to shore and we take hold of Jesus. 
What I love about this is that the miracle followed Peter to the shore, right? Eventually, everyone gets to the shore. The miracle's there. All the fish are there. And sometimes for us in life, it's very easy to go, when I get the breakthrough, when I get the miracle, man, I'm going to press into God. I'm going to press into Jesus. I'm just waiting. Jesus, I'm, I'm coming, but I'm just waiting for this to happen first. Would you just do this and then I will? But Jesus says, if you will just make me your priority, if you will come to me, if you will jump out of the boat, swim to me, your miracle's going to follow. Your miracle's coming. But I want you to come to me. I want you to lay hold of me. The good work that I've started in you, I will bring to completion because it's my word. You've got to trust me enough, though, to jump out of the boat. You've got to trust me enough to start swimming. Come back to me and that which you're praying for, that which you're hoping for, I will deliver it. You see, Jesus doesn't care about necessarily what it is you have done or haven't done, how you succeeded or how you have failed. You see, he knew the man swimming towards him was the same man that days earlier had denied him, had forsaken him, had left him, had run away from him. But the beautiful thing is when Jesus turns up again, what's waiting on the shore is not condemnation, is not judgment. He wasn't giving ready to give Peter a lecture about all the things he's done wrong. What was waiting on the shore for Peter was forgiveness, restoration, a second chance. To start again, to say, I didn't get the word I spoke for you wrong, Peter. I knew what I was saying. You will be the rock upon which I build my church. And I need some of you to hear this this morning. The words God has spoken to you haven't been wrong. He doesn't get it wrong. He's not second guessing himself. You may have gone through ordeals in your life in 23, but it does not mean Jesus doesn't have the ability to bring it to pass. He says, if you will come to me, no matter how bad the knocks come and you fall over, Get back up again. Pray again. Get back into your word again. Start believing me again. And those things which I have spoken over your life, I will bring to pass. I don't define you by your mistakes. I define you by what I've done for you on the cross. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That I love you and no principality or power will separate you from the love that I have for you. I've got your back. You see, if you are feeling defined by your fears and your failures, that's not God. That's the enemy. That's the enemy telling you you're not good enough. You can't do it. You'll never be able to read your Bible. You'll never be able to get breakthrough. The mountain's too big. When you hear that in your life, that is not Jesus, my friend. That is the enemy. Jesus says, no, if you will come to me, if you will make me your priority this year, if you will fix your eyes on me, if you will be desperate enough like Peter to get out of what it is that you've always known, jump out and begin to swim to me and do something radically different that keeps you close to me, then I've got your back. Then the miracles will come. Then the breakthrough will come. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. To give you a future and a hope. The thoughts I think towards you are not to condemn you, but to, to thoughts of peace, not of evil. Amen. And I love what comes in Scripture. You see, when they reach the shore and they've eaten breakfast, Jesus kind of gets a bit of alone time with Peter. He says, Peter, come here. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times Peter denies him. Three times Jesus affirms that he loves him. The beautiful thing is the very place that he was called out to follow Jesus, the very place he finds redemption. You see, Jesus can walk into the middle of situations that maybe are not great for you right now. And in a minute, he can bring restoration and he can bring redemption. What does he want to know from Peter? Peter, have you got good knowledge of the Bible? Are you all worded up? You read the Torah, you're good to go. Peter, you got the connections. You're going to speak to the right people once I'm gone. I need to know that you're going to make it work. Peter, have you been, I need to know that you got a 100% hit rate on the board before we do this. No. He simply says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? If you do feed my sheep, everything that we do this year, I want to encourage you. Let it come from a place of first loving God, loving Christ. Standing on his word and say, God, I love you with everything because I'm so grateful for what you have done for me that I am saved by grace. Amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.